Hello everyone, this is the Bonus Podcast. I'm the host Donato Surbonus and I'm glad to start our first World Cup podcast from Manila, joined by my colleague Riz Vishnauskas, who is also in Manila, just in Media Hotel at the moment. I'm at the corner of Media Workroom of Mall of Asia Arena. And of course, Augusta Shulauskas, who is keeping the pulse of the competition in, in Vilnius, from Vilnius and watching all the games uh, in the World Cup. So welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you doing, guys, out there in the Philippines? How is it there? Um, well, uh, it, at first it was kind of tough to get used to all the humidity and also heavy air conditioning inside all the venues. So I, I caught a little cold. I have a runny nose, but that's a, a small problem. Other than that, uh, everything's been great. Actually, I have to say that uh, the people here are wonderful. Everybody's really helpful, friendly, and uh, yeah, so far I'm enjoying the competition, have nothing to complain about. Of course, this this weather, this humidity for a Lithuanian boy is, is kind of hard to take, but uh, I'm getting used to it, adjusting uh, step by step, you know. The time difference is still hitting a little bit, but uh, the competition is underway. We're watching as many games as possible. Uh, there are a lot of colleagues from Lithuania, from other countries, a lot of basketball talk inside the media room. So it has been great so far. Yeah, uh, I mean, ex I mean, yeah, we have to deal with the humidity. Uh, we have to deal with internet uh, connection issues, both in the gym and in, in the media hotel, which is weird. I, I, I think that it shouldn't be that way. But anyways, there are some issues, let's say. But to be honest, I think that every experience mostly depends on people around. And Philippine people are so great. They're so nice. They always want to help you. Uh, there's a good thing that there's no language barrier, at least with the most Philippines that I met uh, through the first three days. And they make this whole competition experience really awesome. Uh, so it's, it's only, you know, uh, about the behind the scenes experience. For me so far, the biggest highlight, of, of course, was the Philippine Arena experience uh, with 38,000 uh, people in the gym breaking the new FIBA World Cup uh, record. And I was, I was astonished by the whole Philippine Arena uh, environment, how great this gym was, how big. It, for me, it looked like I was in a basketball amphitheater because the whole stands were basically the way amphitheater uh, works uh, so it, the let's say the farthest the farthest uh, seats in the gym were so far that I I could barely uh, notice those seats so it, it was it was it was something different it was interesting you know to to see the culture of Filipino basketball fans I would say that they're very similar to NBA fans so at some points of the game between Philippines and uh, uh, Dominican Republic I kind of missed that feeling of like having European supporters uh, the colleague from from Greek website sport 24 was sitting next to me and he said could you imagine if there there were Olympiacos or Panathinaikos fans in the gym? How different that experience would be? I was I was sure that with, with them in the in the gym, the roof the roof was about to move. So, uh, yeah, there was this feeling. But at the same time, it's also nice to watch the game in a family friendly, <coughs> peaceful environment uh, without without no negative intensity in the gym. So, it, it was different, but it was it was nice for sure so far. Man, how's you always the, have how's to this mention experience? that. 
what that uh, family-friendly environment and negative environment to compare those in the Europe and MBA in Europe in the in Asia. <laughs> Because that's the biggest difference, basically. So, and how, know, how's the experience watching the? Okay, Ritas, you, you you can jump in. Now, since we we are starting uh, the podcast talking about the atmosphere inside the arena, I I didn't go to the Philippines arena. Uh, I've watched all the games in the Mall of Asia arena, and of course, the highlight was Team USA. Uh, facing New Zealand, and I was wondering which NBA players uh, from Team USA will get the most um, love from from the local fans. And I was really surprised to hear and to see that Austin Reeves was actually the crowd favorite. And after the game, uh, walking uh, through the streets, uh, I saw so many people, actually couples, holding hands, both wearing Austin Reeves shirts. So it, it seems like he's Is kind of some a connection. I don't think so. It uh, just seems like he's a cult figure and probably it's just that LA Lakers is the most popular franchise here and there are no mm. other Laker guys on, on the Team USA roster. So he is definitely the crowd favorite. I think after the game, even the uh, Philippines television uh, did an interview with him in, in, in the mix zone because they wanted to hear him and hear his thoughts about uh, what's happening around. So, yeah, I, I was surprised because I was thinking, like, maybe the Ant-Man will be their favorite, maybe Jalen Brunson, uh, Brandon Ingram or somebody else. But it turned out to be Austin Reeves, and actually he played a hell of a game as well. Yeah, he also tried to explain this whole warm welcome by the local fans uh, with Mm, try to explain this whole situation by the LA Lakers example. He was actually told by some Team USA members that since LA Lakers are so popular in the Philippines that you might uh, kind of expect something different. But I really didn't believe that it might be, you know, they might be so loud about Austin Reeves. At the same time, I mean, he he produced, he delivered with an amazing game against the New Zealand. He was one of the best players uh, on the court. So what I, I, I would say that he's not only fans favorite, but I would say that he's one of the media's favorite because I was excited how humble the guy is, that he's not taking this whole experience for granted, that he was so grateful uh, for Philippine fans and their warm welcome because not many people expected him to be here he's coming from a super small town as he said so the whole experience is, is nice and uh, he also told uh, today in the usa team usa practice that um, la lakers players in whatsapp chat made fun of how austin reeves is popular in the philippines and also uh, they made fun of this uh, some fan had a banner Uh, stating that Austin Reeves is better than LeBron James. So it's also, <laughs> you know, this whole thing reach LA Lakers uh, camp. But speaking of unexpected warm welcomes, I mean, uh, when I went to Philippines game, I was like, okay, so Jordan Clarkson is obviously the biggest star. And there's this, you know, big prospect uh, from Philippines, Kai Soto. But you also will be surprised to hear that Dwight Ramos was actually the guy who received the biggest applause in the gym. And, you know, okay, I'm not familiar with Asian basketball and I didn't know him before. I checked, he plays in Japan. Uh, he averages nine points in Japan, uh, Japanese league. He's 24 years old, he's a guard and he's very popular on Instagram. So there is kind of cult of Dwight Ramos, which still I don't know the clear reasons behind that cult, but for sure in the uh, following weeks, uh, I will get to know more about Dwight Ramos and other Filipino stars. 
he's one of the better players on that team and you know especially sure. in the qualifiers when uh, not, not everyone was playing he was one of the main guys but i saw a tweet as well because someone else posted the same thing that he got the biggest applause despite jordan clarkson being on that team and uh someone wrote the guy looks like a uh, someone who is in a k-pop group and uh, th that's why he's so popular because he's so beautiful, according to that tweet. <laughs> yeah, could be one of those reasons. Uh, by the way, how's the TV experience? Because uh, Gita's our video head. Uh, I, I saw that he was texting something on our, our on our work chat that camera work is amazing. He likes the colors and all the quality stuff that FIBA delivered with the TV production. Absolutely, uh, every almost every play almost every nice bucket or block or whatever is replayed three or four times really quickly from different angles you have the camera angle from the top from the side you have those uh high quality cameras that make like a portrait mode picture from 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 close up so it's definitely been great um it's kind of hard to watch sometimes you know in the first round two or three games at the same time we were in our office in Konas on Friday and we were watching Lithuania, Egypt game, France, Canada. And then we had a third screen added when Philippines were playing the fourth quarter against the Dominican Republic. So it's kind of hard to get all the action at the same time. But it's also nice that this five hour difference allows us to have uh, games during the day. And then, you know, you have time to work in the afternoon, in the evening. And uh, it's not like uh, games are at 9 or 10 p.m. and then you just you have to work through the night. So the let's say time zones uh, are nice for, for that reason. Yeah, that's how Americans feel when they can they have a privilege to watch your games in afternoon and then just enjoy the evening, whether it's just spending some free time or watching NBA games. So, yeah. You're in a good position because, to be honest, I don't have a chance. I didn't see Lithuania, Egypt yet, and I'm not sure if I'm going to watch the second game of Lithuania tonight because I might go to the Greek practice. So, so far, I've been more of a content creator than a basketball uh, viewer. And hey, by the way, you mentioned this replay thing. That's how it goes for you. Yeah, you mentioned this replay thing. I feel so bad. If, if I had to pay for the ticket, I would feel so bad because... Uh, I just don't get it. This FIBA uh, probably is FIBA decision not to show replays inside the gym. I mean, I just don't get it because as a view, uh, as a somebody in the stands, you're paying a lot of money for the tickets and you're getting lower quality, let's say, broadcast than the TV viewers. So it's not like it takes too, uh, too much, you know, to to put the replay on the screen. Stop protecting referees. They're actually doing a good job at the start of the competition. So let's just enjoy mm -hmm. the, the whole experience to the fullest. Yeah, uh, since we shared our impressions, first impressions of the FIBA World Cup, uh, before we continue, there's one important message I have to send. Uh, if you want to join this FIBA World Cup frenzy and follow as much games as possible, just as Augustus uh, Schlauskas does, use Courtside1891 because we have a discount code to our bonus listeners, which will let you to receive a 10% off the max FIBA World Cup pass. So uh, that will let you keep up to date with all the World Cup action live and on demand. The promo code is BASKET23. Uh, 
so, uh, you can uh, use this code following the instructions that we will put uh, below this video in the YouTube video description. So Basket23 offers you a 10% discount uh, on, on full FIBA World Cup pass. So yeah, let's start with the biggest game of the FIBA World Cup opening games. Canada taking France, taking down France by 30 points. Is it something? Is it nothing? Or everything for both teams? Is, is it a statement win for Canada that established themselves officially one more time as a real title contenders? Look, you know, everyone is saying you don't need to overreact after the first game, but it's definitely it was definitely a statement win from my perspective from Canada. Uh, they were ready for this game so much more than France were. I loved Canada's defense. I loved what Dylan Brooks did. I loved what Lou Dort did. I loved what Alexander Walker did. They completely shut down Evan Fournier. And apart from some isolation plays and some really tough three pointers in the first half, uh, Fournier was locked up. You know, he, he he couldn't use the screens of Gobert. He had to dribble the ball so much time France's offense wasn't wasn't working and just it was it was really a defensive clinic from those three guys and that's why I think it is it is really definitely something from Canada because that defense will stay over the course of the tournament like that that defense is not going to go away and Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort together there was an instance I think in the first quarter and then in the second half as well where all those three guys I mentioned were together on the court and France just couldn't do anything like Rudy Gobert had to dribble the ball from nine meters away and start to and try to improvise something so that that's just not going to work for France I thought they weren't ready I thought they were making a lot of miscommunications defensively which was kind of weird from France I thought they are going to be more ready in the first game so and obviously then you know if you defend well and you have Shea Gilgis Alexander then pushing the ball in transition Nobody is stopping Shea one-on-one -on, -one on the on the fast break. You know, if, if there is no help, if there are no stunts, no double teams, Elio Kobo is not going, or Nano Decolo is not going to stop Shea one-on-one -on -one in transition. It's like the guy is averaging 31 in the NBA. So amazing work. Like I loved how Jordi Fernandez have prepared this Canada team. And the only thing I don't, I didn't understand from France is that they responded to those offensive issues in the third quarter. Like they scored, I think, two points in the first couple of minutes, uh, first four minutes. And then Vincent Collet decides to improve the offense by playing two non-shooting centers, Matthias Lesor and Rudy Gobert. And I was like, is this your adjustment? Is this your answer to scoring two points? And... I was I was I was a little bit surprised they didn't score for a couple of more possessions and France got in front by 15 points and basically France uh, Canada got in front and France just gave up basically in the third quarter. So I was I was really surprised how bad France were and I was really impressed with how good Canada played in already in the first game. Yeah, if I can Maybe add just... uh, yeah, um uh, I agree basically to everything you said. I, I do believe it's a something. It is a statement win from Team Canada. I actually rushed the media room after Lithuania Egypt finished. And uh, at the time, it was a three point game. So I thought to myself that I'm here for a really great 
competition, uh, but in the third quarter, that crazy run happened. Uh, it became a blowout. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and his offensive talents is a big reason for that. Defense as well. I think Shea Gilgis Alexander introduced himself properly to FIBA competitions. Uh, he, he, you could say that um, he was unstoppable. If you don't allow, allow him to drive, to penetrate, he will kill you with his uh, crazy range. I think he hit one three-pointer from eight meters away from the basket or something like that. It had some fadeaway looks and one finishes. And also what I really liked is um, you've mentioned Dylan Brooks' defense, but maybe he heard something about Terry Tarpe being a great defensive stopper here in Europe. So he kind of wanted to test the guy. And that one and one play stuck in my memory where Dylan Brooks basically destroyed Terry Tarpe. Uh, so... The physicality of this Canadian team and uh, their ability to have these crazy runs is kind of scary, I would say. Uh, I love watching them in this first game and talking about France. Well, it puts them in a position where uh, the game versus Latvia is a do or die game. And of course, Porzingis-less Latvia is not as scary as they could be. But knowing that they have shooters all around the floor, who knows what might happen. So you're basically putting your whole competition at risk uh, and you must win this game versus Latvia. So uh, I think they will do that. I think they'll manage it. But uh, yeah, having your asses kicked, as Evan Fournier said, in the opening game of the competition is, is no fun. And I'm expecting to see a reaction from the French guys. Yeah, I, the only question... Yeah. Go the nuts, go. No, go August. All good. My my only question about Canada is, and and it was the same heading before the tournament is, are they do do they have enough shooting around Shea? And uh, it's not like they had to show it in this game against France because when they made the run in the third quarter, it was basically all in the transition and all defensive mistakes from France. Yeah, Dylan Brooks made a, the first three-pointer to start the second half. But after that, it was basically transition, semi-transition baskets, uh, Shea doing work one-on-one, -on -one, not at half court. So when their defense will not be uh, as impactful as it was in this game, are they going to make, are those other guys are going to make enough shots? Because RJ Barrett was cold in this one in this game you know you never know how dylan brooks is going to, is going to shoot the basketball so yes kelly olenic helps a lot and i just loved his performance in this game and he's he's one of the most fun watch watchable guys on fiba court so uh that's my only question about canada and one one thing i forgot to mention about them is that fiba rules actually help their defense like with oh, the yeah. physicality they're they're playing dylan brooks blue dort they can just hold people uh legally and you can't do anything about it you could just they could just hold you a little bit and with their strength evan fournier is barely moving when they're doing this so fiba rules actually make their defense you know worthy of a gold medal so the, the question is probably is going to be on the other side of the court uh, speaking of uh, their defensive uh, potential, I mean, most of the teams 
uh, looking for lockdown defenders. They are looking for at least one lockdown defender on their roster, you know, to have somebody to to put on the biggest uh, threat uh, on the offense from the opposing team. Canada, I'm, it's it's a cheat to have uh, Lou Dort, uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, on the same team, sometimes on the same lineup, and even at least one of the guys are on the court all the time, basically for 40 minutes. So it's just a cheat code to have such a defensive uh, potential, uh, such a defensive advantage uh, for for Team Canada because these guys they make the game uh, unsexy. They make they make opposing uh, offensive players to dislike basketball. Basically, the way they play defense, the way they get under their skin. So that's a huge quality that uh, Canada can offer. And speaking on the other end, uh, okay, yeah, Shea had an amazing game. I mean, we were talking that Luka Doncic might be the one. Uh, the first guy to get a triple double in the FIBA World Cup history. Shea had 27 points, 13 rebounds, six assists. But I would say that uh, with the French backcourt uh, and their defense, the miscommunication in defense, uh, I mean, that's where most of these uh, points came from. I mean, in some situations, for some reason, they let him drive in the paint uh, to his strong hand. In some situations, they were not even protecting the uh the the three-point line so he was shooting uh, open shots and when you think when you have elio kobo and nanda de at their backcourt i really think that you know vincent Collet is missing fran nilikina badly and this loss uh, just before the world cup is a huge thing from the french team because yeah they have nicola batum he is great but he cannot be on the on your you know best offensive player uh, all the time and if especially if you have these defensive m miscommunication problems that might be as worse as allowed 95 points by Canada. So, so yeah. We can go to other title contenders, right? Team USA had a win against New Zealand. There was Slovenia, Australia with the big uh, win against Finland. What did leave you the biggest impression from, from these games? Um. I can actually compare the two games, Australia, Finland, and USA, uh, New Zealand, because uh, I was commentating Team USA. I was just a spectator for Australia, Finland in the media room, but I had the same feeling. Like, you're watching 15 minutes of basketball and the score is really close, but you feel that it's just a matter of time when the better, more athletic team will, will break this game and will have their run. It usually happens in the third quarter. Uh, as a guy who watches a lot of NBA, I know that the the greatest teams will always strike in the third quarter, and uh, that is basically what uh, what Australia did and and what Team USA did as well. Uh, from Australian side, I, I just again I love watching Patty Mills. I mean, he became a bit slower, but it doesn't prevent him from scoring dropping 25 or close to 30 in a FIBA game. He was still cooking. He was still killing uh, Finland. Uh, at, we talked about, let's say, the uh, Brooks and, and Lou Dort being a defensive presence. So let's not underrate guys like Matisse Teibel, Dante Exum, uh, Josh Green and what they are capable of. They can also pressure the ball and do all these things at a very high level. Uh, for Josh Giddy, the debut game, 
maybe didn't go so well at the beginning. He had some turnovers, some some sloppy mistakes. Uh, they they wanted to play a fast paced game, so he lost uh, a couple of balls. But he was actually in the end he was close to a triple double. Since we're talking about guys who, who are capable of doing this on a FIBA competition, so I think. Josh Giddy has a good shot at a triple-double eventually as well. Um, there is this question mark about the Australian bigs, but uh, Finland was probably not the team to expose that uh, for Duop Reith and, and the other guys. It was a, it was an okay game. Uh, Lauri Markkanen, in the first half, he was a problem. In the second half, not so much. Uh, actually, I was really um, afraid that he got injured when he, when he was grabbing his knee, but everything's fine uh, it, it's just that in the second half Australia outplayed Finland and it's sort of a similar thing that happened in in, in USA New Zealand game uh, I think the score was 14 to 4 at the beginning then New Zealand was leading USA started with three turnovers there was a traveling violation um, a charge uh, an out of bounds pass but you know they never overreact to these things. They know that they're going to have their runs. And uh, what the uh, the coaching staff did for USA is basically they were trying different lineups. In the second half, they actually tried a really big lineup with um, Jaron Jackson, Bobby Portis, I think Josh Hart, uh, Cam Johnson, and who else was there? Uh, maybe Austin Reeves? No, somebody had to play. Oh, Therese Halliburton playing point guard. So uh, at the same time, they played a real small ball with uh, Paolo Banquero as a five. And for like 36 minutes or almost the whole game, they were just running switch all defense and, and going to fast breaks. They didn't complicate things. They just played simple basketball to their strengths. And Paolo Banquero and Austin Reeves obviously impressed the most. Uh, Anthony Edwards, he wanted to do a lot. Uh, not everything was as successful as it could be for a player of his of his talents. But yeah, it's it's just a good win uh, to start a competition. I think New Zealand gave a fight. They did what they can. Taro Cameron was just rotating his players to have them as fresh as possible, knowing that this uh, this is a really up tempo game and you have to withstand somehow. So uh, you cannot have any any critique towards New Zealand. They did what they can, but it's just. Uh, a really easily predictable ending to the to the game. I did the, not see. The of, the, I did not see did the United not States see. the United States uh, game. But uh, my few cents on the Australian matchup. Uh, I love Dante Exum in this game. I I thought he was one of the main catalysts in that run in the first quarter. Has you know he, we we know, we know his defense is amazing. We know he is a great driver to the rim, especially to the right hand. But I just loved how in the last couple of years his decision making in the paint has gotten better. Uh, he's a solid spot up shooter at the moment, and you know all the things I mentioned sounds like a really nice compliment next to Luka Doncic in that Dallas Mavericks team. But he was one of the main guys, uh, as I said, in that third quarter. One of my few, uh, one of my first remarks in the game was, man, Patty Mills has gotten slower, like finally, you know, he's not, he's not that young anymore. And, but until now, I think we have not seen, you know, him decline, him declining athletically, but he is still the same guy that can, you just give mid-range jumpers, mid-range jumpers one, one after the, the other. So it was really fun to see, you know, FIBA Patty Mills again. 
but I like how other guys stepped up. I like just as I liked Canada's length, uh, I loved Australia's as well. I think their defense also got them the victory. Uh, their plan was to, let's say, send shadow double teams to Lowry Markkinen when he got the ball from the other guys. And that worked because, you know, he sees the second guy coming, then he tries to pass out the ball. Finland is trying to, you know, make extra passes and then Australia's length recovers. So that was huge. How they, how they managed to limit him, let's say it was, it was not stopping Lowry, but it was limiting Lowry more. And, um, Australia surprised me with how confident that victory was in game in game one. Watching Team USA New Zealand game, I was feeling like people should stop complaining that referees are not taking any traveling calls to NBA stars because very first play trial by Anthony Edwards, I think they traveled or as you mentioned they made turnovers they made four turnovers in the first three minutes of the game they already had six in the first six minutes of the game Anton Edwards finished with the third and in solely in the first quarter uh it was a real turnover machine with team usa but but yeah uh, they managed to, to to return to the game uh, i loved austin reeves um first of all because of the appreciation of Philippine fans but then the way he you know showed his skills mm, he, he had some crazy highlight plays off dribble uh, mid-range jumpers three pointers uh, some some great uh, drives uh, to the rim it was it was a pleasure to watch him play uh, as well as Paolo Banquero giving a huge impact in the third quarter. I think he scored like 12 yep. points. Anton Edwards, he also uh, bounced back with eight points after terrible first quarter. He told that it was all about the uh, lotion before the game. He just had some bad lotion just before the tip tip off. Probably the whole Team USA uh, roster had the same lotion because of the, the way they were turning the ball over. But uh, but yeah, when you look at the box scores of all these games and of by all these teams, Basically, as I mentioned, the third quarter was decisive. I think that Slovenia had some, let's say, problems with Venezuela, uh, with Venezuela because they were shooting from three like crazy. How many, like nine or ten three-pointers uh, in the first quarter? That should be a World Cup record or even FIBA competitions record. Canada also uh, blew France out uh, in the third quarter, winning it like by 24-8 uh, or something. Uh, Team USA made a huge lead in the third quarter. I mean, that was a decisive uh, quarter um, for these big teams. Uh, Moving forward. Uh, sorry, uh, can I have a few quick remarks yeah. I wanted to add about the Americans? Oh, sure. Uh, so first of all, of all about Paolo Banquero, he seemed like a mix of Rui Hachimura, Carl Malone, and maybe Tobias Harris, something like that, doing all these things he did. And about Jaron Jackson Jr., he had some spectacular plays, but at the same time, at the beginning of the broadcast, I said, well, Jaron Jackson Jr. is great, but what limits his abilities is that he always gets into foul trouble in the NBA games. But I also said, well, maybe New Zealand is not the team that will uh, get him into foul trouble. But New Zealand didn't get him into foul trouble. He gets himself into foul trouble. He managed to foul out in a game like this, um, uh, only, being, uh, only spending 17 minutes on the court. He had two offensive fouls. And, and the guy is great. You can see he's, he's just amazing. But 
when the tournament goes on and, and, and Team USA will face uh, more serious uh, competition, they, they will play in the quarterfinal or semifinal or even the gold medal game, well, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be smarter and somehow manage this because they need him on the court versus New Zealand it, it's not a big difference you can put Banquero as a five you can try Bobby Portis you could even play Walker Kessler which uh, coach Kerr didn't do and up until the very last few minutes so um, it, it's just a thought you know that the guy always gets into foul trouble in the NBA but in his FIBA debut it, exactly the same thing happened Jordan Clarkson also got into foul trouble. Uh, it was crazy to see such a big star to finish his game with two offensive fouls in a row in the fourth quarter. Uh, and he left the court with three minutes to play and basically Philipp Philippines were just down by three points. So it was a decisive uh, uh, turnaround for the home team because they hadn't score a field goal in the last three minutes of the game. Uh, and watching this game, watching these teams, first of all, it's always very interesting very nice to see these let's say uh limited teams which have one superstar player and the way they try to build their game around uh with these role players assets and and guys who try to help those uh, stars so watching uh, philippines and dominican republic it's not like they were naturalized players like some other national teams did uh but let's say if you had the chance to choose a national team which type of NBA player uh, you would prefer on your team? Carl Anthony Towns or Jordan Clarkson? You know, the easiest way to escape an answer here is to say, well, it depends who else I have on the roster, you know. Uh, but it, since this is a hypothetical question and we don't have the roster where we add a star player, uh, I would just go for a bigger star, you know. I would go for Carl Anthony Towns, even though in this game he was forcing a lot of shots. He didn't really finish the game on, on good numbers. Uh, they got the win. That, that is the most important thing. It would be nice to see him and Al Horford in this competition, also with Chris Duarte. So that would be crazy. And it would take a lot of um, responsibility off Carl Anthony Towns' shoulders. So we, he wouldn't have to take so many crazy shots uh, as he did. But uh, yeah, I would just take him. Although um, today's game is probably guards game. Uh, most teams are being ran by their uh, point guards or combo guards, guards whatever but carl anthony towns is a super skilled uh, center and i would love to have him on my team ritas you you mentioned the point you know of, of my argument that i was about to make to not nowadays game is all about the guards and that's why i would have i would prefer jordan clarkson to have on my team if we're like we are building a team from the scratch and all the other guys, let's say, are playing in the Dominican uh, domestic league or the Philippines domestic league, simply because, all, of course, that was only one game. And uh, but Carl was really struggling to create, you know, the shots against. It's it's easier against him to send double teams because he's not maybe you know he's used to double teams in the nba but jordan clarkson is just faster he can he can avoid those uh you know help defenses better and uh it's it's not like he was playing better than than cat but 
I don't know. I think you have more chances. You can have an easier fit. You can have an easier time when you have a star ball handler guard than a star big who can also dribble the ball. But, you know, it's just it's just not it's just not, it doesn't look as easy, let's say, in my eyes. So if we're building a team around one superstar, it, I would probably go with Jordan Clarkson, I would say. Donatas, you decide here. <laughs> I'm on August side too. I also prefer uh, guards, although I have to admit that both <laughs> weren't very good. Uh, maybe it's because uh, both national teams relied on them too much and they had to force a lot of situations, a lot of shots. Uh, Clarkson was nine from uh, nine of 24. He made eight uh, turnovers uh, despite 28 points. Carl uh, Anthony Towns was five, uh, five of 16, and he collected the, basically the, the main part of his uh, 26 points on the free throw line, hitting 15 of 16. Both were forcing shots too much. Both were put in situations where they had to create something from nothing, and it was actually a low quality game. That's that's why it's the problem of these, let's say, lower quality teams. I mean, you have to put all the all the cards on the table uh, for for these players, and it was a really low quality game. Uh, neither Clarkson nor Anthony Towns played great. Um, other players, uh, supporting cast, it felt like they were a bit nervous of this crazy crowd because I talked to Italian players and they said that it like took two quarters to kind of, you know, settle down to adjust because the hands were just simply shaking because of the fans and also because of this crazy greatness of, of the gym that they were playing for the first time yes filipinos are used to this crowd because for instance in january they had a pba philippines basketball league finals uh, where fifty-four thousand people came to watch the game but we're talking about the national team we're talking about the philippines who are the host of the competition and they're you know breaking the world cup record and they're facing the dominican republic team which they can beat and advancing to the next stage would mean that they're going to the playoffs so there's you know the stakes are very high there's a lot of is on the, on this game so i believe that a lot of guys were affected some of them you know hearing those cheers and the support maybe they felt like they were nba players and they have to do some crazy space jam stuff so there were a lot of bad decisions there were a lot of emotional plays and jordan clarkson and Kyle out in the towns also weren't weren't at their best but it was a fun game to watch because you know the drama was until the very last moments and I have to say that these other guys these helpers were crucial in the last minutes some guys of the Dominican Republic making trees I love the uh, big man of Filipino team Fayardo I mean for me he's the Steven Adams of, of Philippines uh, it was very fun to watch him on you know dominating on the low post or uh, on on board so so yeah it was low quality game but really exciting to watch you can't expect really superstars to not make those decisions on, on teams like that. It's just if they're not forcing the issue, they're not going to go far in that game. And sometimes, you know, it might get really beautiful, but sometimes it get it might get ugly like it was in the in the in that game. So you cannot when watching these teams play you were always going to say, yeah, they were forcing issue. They were forcing the issue. They were taking some ill-advised shots simply because, you know, they have the mentality that it's much better that I take the shot than, you know, some other guys on the team are going to shoot 
even a more wide wide open shot but that's just how their mentality is when playing with let's say lesser caliber player players on that team so um it's I, I actually wanted philippines to win because i wanted to see them in the second round and that was obviously like the first game but also the final for them because i can't imagine them beating italy and you know if they had beaten and if they had beaten dominican republic it was really possible you know that they could have a also nice solid game against angola and advance to the second round but i don't think now it's possible and i don't think we will have the host nation in the second round yeah we had three biggest misfortunes of the first two uh, first round games uh dinos Mitoglou getting injured just before the tip-off uh, of the FIBA World Cup. Huge blow to the Greek national team. Raul Neto suffering a very serious injury that not that affects not only Brazil national team right now, but also Fenerbahce, who signed him for the next season. And also, I would say that South Sudan had a very, <laughs> had a very big misfortunate more misfortune uh, against Puerto Rico, uh, blowing the lead at the end of the game and again missing a chance to get a very important win that could have actually made them qualify to the next stage which means that they could have get the olympic ticket because basically if one if a single african team advanced to the next stage there's a very high chance that that team will get the olympic ticket so a lot of us on the line as well for south sudan team uh, what would be your takes about these three very unfortunate situations um, well, first of all, Puerto Rico, South Sudan, of course, for one side, it was a misfortune for the other side. It was a big celebration. Uh, that was a crazy game. That was a really crazy game. Uh, I mean, you just had to watch it like from one side to the other. It was the basketball was moving like a tennis ball from one side to the other. And, and um, South Sudan had a seven point lead with less than three minutes to play. It seemed like it's their game it, they're going to take the win but then puerto rico went on a run all of a sudden puerto rico is up free uh south sudan had an inbound play with 16 seconds left down one and they couldn't inbound the ball uh, it seemed like all hope is lost but then i was thinking okay so puerto rico is up by free surely they're going to foul not only they didn't foul they allowed the best player of South Sudan to have one screen with their big dropping just to take a, a clean look at the basket from free. And, and of course, he tied the game. Yeah, but in the overtime, uh, maybe South Sudan players ran out of gas or something because Puerto Rico just dominated the overtime. But I, I love Carly Jones. He actually kind of reminded me of Chris Jones from Valencia and the way he was playing in this game and, and his movement is kind of similar. His headband is also uh, similar. So yeah, he was a, a, a real leader uh, leading the team and I feel sad for South Sudan actually. I was kind of cheering for them. Also, the, their coaching staff is really impressive. You see Royal Ivy as their head coach. You see Luol Deng also being there on the sidelines and I think the, the third guy was Raymond Felton who who is also a, a well-known former NBA player so that's a an impressive coaching staff uh, yeah at the end of the as, day as i said to Ritis, we, we were watching this game with uh, fellow journalists uh, in the media workroom and we were waiting for dinner and as a, uh, as i said to, uh, to Ritis, i don't remember any other 
coaching staff and especially assistants that were on the brad, uh, broadcast so often you know yeah. it's not so 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 often to see the these guys on screens but well, Lowell Deng and Raymond Felton yeah okay Timio says a different beast as well but I mean Royal Ivy Lowell Deng uh, Raymond Felton I felt like we were playing NBA Live 2005 or something uh, <laughs> but anyway yeah I feel sad for South Sudan I, I wanted them to win I I, I just love these um, success stories of, of nations and teams that qualify and for them this is a huge opportunity we used to seeing Puerto Rico at this level uh, actually in the past they had a great team now they don't really have star players like they had in the past uh, Royal Berea Santiago and all the other guys uh, so I don't really think they're gonna go far but this game was like almost a decider for who goes uh, to the next stage or at least has a, a good shot at uh, going to the next stage and the other misfortunes you mentioned the injuries yeah that's uh, that's really sad I mean Dinos Mitoglu now since he's out Greece doesn't really have a, a true power forward. They will have to play probably Papa Nicolaou, Papa Petru at, at, at four. Uh, their roster is already thin, so losing any player that that adds value is a huge blow. And um, as I spoke to Greek colleagues, they said that Mitoglou, even though he didn't play basketball, competitive basketball for 16 months, he's in, he was in a great shape approaching the tournament. He seemed really prepared. So yeah, and and Neto, well, what can I say? Just I was, I didn't really want to watch the replay. I just turn around, turn away from the from the screen because I always hate seeing injuries. And he slipped badly. And actually, a lot of other players slipped. Uh, and I think Joe Ingles was complaining about the uh, slippery floor and, and, and all those stickers on the floor that can cause trouble. So maybe FIBA has to take a more serious look at this because you don't want players getting hurt on, on, on the court. It was, it was, I think, just some wet spots during, during that game, during Finland, Australia, but... Yeah, watching uh, watching Neto, you just you just felt that pain, and uh, that cuts Brazil chances by quite quite a, quite a bit. Um, and uh, just watching South Sudan and Puerto Rico, mm, I said on on Friday I, I was in a, on a Lithuanian podcast, and I said that you know Saturday is it wasn't you know we didn't have many big games. But the one to watch was South Sudan and Puerto Rico, and I was pretty, pretty employed about that one. The, all the other games finished by at least 15 plus. I think all the games except one ended by even 20 plus uh, difference. So, and uh, and then we had this Puerto Rico South Sudan matchup. It was NBA style of basketball. Ritis had a great comparison on that the ball was flying like a tennis ball, especially in that first quarter. It was just up and down the court, shooting fastly, you know, not much defense. Then it got a little bit more intense later, but uh, I loved the Tremont Waters, Carly Jones matchup. Those two guys, you know, we talked about which superstar you would want on your team, Clarkson or Cal Anthony Towns, but these two guys are superstars on their own national teams. And, yeah. and uh, it's just so fun to watch. Even even teams, small teams like Puerto Rico on and South Sudan, because when you have one or two of these NBA caliber players, they're just gonna ball out and and 
everyone is like who is watching less basketball is like oh who is this guy like Tremon Waters but he was mm. cooking you know the, the guys from United States in in the friendly three weeks ago so um that that was a fun matchup tough ending I I was rooting for South Sudan as well and uh Dinos Minoglu we watched some friendly yeah. games with Donatas before the tournament. He was maybe he was missing shots, but he was moving for a guy who had not played more, for more than a year. He was moving extremely well, so he would have helped Greece immensely. And I'm sad for this injury, but at the same time, since Greece are probably going to be opponent for Lithuania, that's that that's good news for you know us Lithuanian fans. So. Um, but but it's not great that you know a, a player injury has to help a team. So I I, rem I remember there was a time when it was a casual thing a Lithuanian media to basically literally put a headline like "Good news, this player yeah. got injured." If Man. if it was related to the path that Lithuanian national team had to cross to, to yeah. advance somewhere, it was I always presented like "Good news for Lithuanian national team." And I, I remember that Ritis was one of the biggest haters of this whole yeah. uh, trend by Lithuanian media. Look, I mean, <laughs> but we, as much as I want Lithuania to go far in the competition. I want to see the World Cup with all the best players available and any player declining uh, to play or being injured is not good news for me. Uh, I want Lithuania to beat all the uh, best opponents possible. At the same time, I would love to see Lithuania with their full strength roster, which we don't have this year. But uh, actually to add uh, on top of what August uh, said, I still believe that Brazil could have a good competition, a successful competition, because yes, uh, it, it's really bad they lost Raul Neto, but having guards like uh, Iago Dos Santos and Marcelino Huertas, they're still a, a, a capable team, in, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, I, I still think they, they, they can do something great. Uh, they will not be an easy matchup for Spain, in my opinion, in, in this group. Mm, what would be... What would be a good result for Brazil? What would you consider a good result for Brazil? I would can, say we, can we can we delay this question for the Q and A part because basically it's one of the first questions that we had okay. for Q and A session. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's All keep right. a, no problem. a no problem. teaser for Q and A session. All right. And just to add uh, the follow up question: Do you think that Mitoglu injury is a potential game changer in a potential matchup between Lithuania and Greece fighting for this uh, quarterfinal spot? Look, uh, I, I'm not sure about that. Of course, it, it makes Greece weaker. Uh, but the thing is, they still have to beat what's in front of them. It's New Zealand. And I don't really want to look so much in the future because Lithuania still has to face Montenegro. And we were talking a lot about this potential Greece-Lithuania matchup uh, even before the World Cup. Uh, but right now it might not even happen you know so you still have to mm. you still have to go through the group stage we're not expecting greece to cause an upset versus team usa so they will probably have a, a decisive game in in, in the last um, so you think they're gonna have a tough time against new zealand 
they might. I mean, New Zealand is an extremely physical team, and Greece actually had some struggles with uh, Jordan yesterday. So you cannot take for granted that they will beat New Zealand, and I'm not taking for granted that Lithuania will beat Montenegro. So, yeah, and Dinos Mitoglu, the answer is yes. Probably all of us agree that it's a big blow uh, to Greece and, and Coach Tudis. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a huge game changer for Greece. Uh, with so many players declining, you know, to lose another guy, an important guy like him, is, is huge. And just as Riki said, Greece might not even, you know, be... We, we might not even get the Lithuania-Greece matchup we talked about because it's not a given they will beat, they will beat New Zealand and uh, it's not a given Lithuania will beat Montenegro either. So, yeah. Uh, as far as as far as I, I mean, I, I, did, if, I, did, if not, I did not see the. If Lithuania wins, I mean, they already won against Egypt. If they win against Mexico, they're going to the next phase. With Greece, I mean, it's probably different. There's Team USA, and we're talking about New Zealand as a crucial game, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, only two teams advanced to the second round, so USA. Yeah, but, but you and know, Lithuania. I mean, if, we can if be, they lose to Montenegro, yeah. then in the second round. Uh, they're in trouble because uh, what they, they 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 would have to beat USA then to qualify for the quarterfinal. Uh, so you know, yeah, it, still puts, point, it, yeah. it still puts them in a tough spot. So we're expecting this Lithuania Greece thing to be sort of a decider who, of, of who goes to the quarterfinal. But I'm just saying that it it might not happen. And it's just sad that injuries are starting to pile already in the round one of World Cup. Uh, Franz Wagner is missing the game today versus Australia. That's a bummer. I, I hope he's able to recover. I I read a tweet that, you know, the word, the speculation around the team that he, he might come back for the second round. Uh, he, he, he might skip this game and one more and he should come back for, for let's say, games in like four or five days. But let's see how that how that situation evolves just to be real quick uh on the end what would be your round one five whether it's a player that made the biggest impression for you maybe he wasn't the best player on the court maybe there were some coaches basically anybody can make your uh, top five who would that be um Bancaro, uh, of course uh margaris normantas from lithuania and the Gabrielis Maldunas, both, I would mention them in the same package. Both debutants for the national team uh, in a competition. I'm not talking about FIBA windows. And both played spectacularly in their respective roles. Uh, I don't think that the, your third center could play seven minutes of basketball any better than Maldunas did. And Normantas was probably our best, best player in that game. So I have to mention you, you, you these guys. You mentioned Maldunas, uh, which is already titled as uh, Lithuanian Yorgos Printesis by the Greek media. Because of his, I saw the interview. Because of his <laughs> shot, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because of his signature uh, shot. And I, I was actually not surprised by Maldunas' performance because at the end of the practice, uh, before Lithuania game, Maldunas was really working a lot on, the, on these situations with Motiunas as a passer. So I was like, okay, yeah. it's it's. It, it, I was thinking like, can he translate it? I mean, is it something that they're preparing for the game? And it turns out that, I mean, that was the big factor, actually. I mean, that's that, yeah. that was they were preparing, not just shooting those shots uh, regularly. Yeah, and also I would mention Carlique Jones as well as the, as, as the player who really impressed me. 
on the first game day and uh, I actually want to give a shout out to the referees because so far there hasn't been much to complain about uh, and even that call in South Sudan Puerto Rico game it was the right call and it takes guts to, to call a foul when the game is on the line and the game is tied. I, I, of course, it, it still went to overtime because the Puerto Rico player didn't hit the free throws. I think it was Romero. But uh, yeah, the referees so far have been good and that that that's great because in the last few FIBA competitions, I think we spent like at least 10 or 15 minutes on every podcast complaining, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so let's at least spend uh, uh, 15 seconds for praising referees. But yeah, yeah, they for sure deserve the credit for doing a really good job. So far. That's such a harsh, you know, we're, we're complaining for 15 minutes, but when you have, we have to compliment them, it's like, yeah, they're doing a good enough job so far. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> we go to the other topic. <laughs> Man, I would not want to be a referee. <laughs> anyway, my, my top five, my... Um, round one five it would be first of all since Reedus mentioned him Carlick Jones absolutely um, crazy stat line crazy performance too bad he did not get the win but turn turn some eyes definitely uh, then I will I would I would have the trio that I mentioned before at the start of the pod Brooks Lou Dort and Alexander Walker and their defense I, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal from the same game, I would have coach Jordi Fernandez, who is one of the most promising NBA assistant coaches for the Kings. I think at the moment, I was really surprised how well Canada was prepared already for game one. You know, everybody says that you need to get into a shape later in the tournament, but to be playing at this level, to have a counter for every defensive solution France threw at them uh, yep. was just ab absolutely phenomenal. Uh, then I would have Philippines crowd, just simply for those 38,000 people. Absolutely amazing to see. Although I expected a little more and from what we saw from the TV perspective, it was, we saw more empty seats uh, because of the way camera was located, but it was just yeah. really cool to see so many people in the gym cheering for the crowd. I think these seats were... These seats were for more expensive uh, tickets, and I, I was told that many people couldn't uh, reach the gym because of the traffic and logistics. So that's that's the reason why we won't have the final phase in this gym because that was the initial mm. plan. And I wish I wish you know we could we could witness this uh, whole ending of the competition in that gym because, as I said, it was it was special. Uh, my top five, if if you concluded your and top I five, okay. And I had the last name Dante Exum, but I already mentioned the ah. reasons for it. I absolutely loved seeing him. Obviously, the stars of that team will be Patty Mills, Josh Giddy. He will have better games in the tournament that he had in the first one. Uh, but Dante Exum, for me, was the key guy in that key third quarter for Australia. So I wanted to nominate him in my top five. 
in my top five, I have Angolos, Angolos point guard Childe Dundao. He's a 25-year-old point guard. He is 167 centimeters tall. And it was so fun to watch his speed, his rainbow trees. I'm not sure if he made any easy spot of three-pointer. All those three-pointers were really hard. He scored 19 points against Italy. And he was four from eight from the three-point line. While the, while the rest of the Angola team hit... I mean, they didn't hit any three-pointer of 22 attempts. So it was really fun to watch. The only thing I, do, I didn't like it was that I tried with my colleague, uh, we tried to interview him and let's say give him promotion because uh, promotion because uh, he's still pretty young. He played only in Angola. He's like multiple Angola league champion. He was uh, uh, selected to all defensive Angola league team two times I think uh, so we wanted to give him promotion you know to to let his name spread in, in Europe maybe for somebody you know to consider his name but he kind of answered just two questions and walked away although these were like regular normal good questions I would say so I was a little bit surprised that he doesn't know that you know game uh, yet uh, I would also uh, involve Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks just because as I, as I mentioned them being a cheat code to have at least one of them on the court as lockdown defenders Austin Reeves for the reasons we already discussed Fayardo Philippines uh, Stephen Adams who had 14 points and six uh, boards if I'm not mistaken also one of the biggest fan favorites in Filipino and the last spot would go to Team USA media team for giving this amazing players availability. I've just uh, uh, went to Team USA practice and I could talk to anybody from Team USA like you have 10 minutes you can go to an approach to anybody you want the same happened in the mix zone while some teams like slovenia they say okay luka Doncic will be on, available only in the press conference and he you know and he ends ends up uh, speaking to slovenian media only for two minutes and in the end of the press conference in slovenian uh, and some other teams, for instance, in the last Eurobasket, we can all remember that Yanis and Nikola Jokic didn't have any uh, media presence during the entire competition. Team USA does does this this way. They enter the mix zone and uh, one of the press officers of their team says, okay, this is Halliburton. Who wants Halliburton? You? Okay. This is Anton Edwards. Who wants Ant Anton Edwards? All the players are available. They 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 answer the same questions for five times. They spend like 10, 15 minutes in the mix zone and they, they don't complain about it at all. So for that's me as a media member, exactly. That's, that's, that's the way it should be. Huh? And I, I just don't get it how European teams and European basketball in general doesn't understand the importance of, you know, letting the world sp spread about them, about the basketball, you know, doesn't yeah. uh, understand the promotion uh, upside from, from these media availabilities yeah exposure and they just limit themselves so much that it's stupid they want some revenues they want to be you know popular they want to promote basketball but they're not doing anything uh, you know to contribute to that thing so it's just stupid and i hate this part of uh, media officers i'm not saying that all of them are the same some teams have great guys at this department but team usa showed another example how things should be work it's like if you ask Team USA for availability and you'll get an answer, yeah, sure, whenever you want. And you ask a European team uh, an availability for the eighth man on the rotation, not even Luka Doncic, because you know you're not going to get him. So you ask for the eighth player availability and it's like, 
Well, yeah, we have Wednesday, three weeks from now, 11.28 p.m. And you will have two minutes with this guy. That, that's how it goes, you know. <laughs> kind of the yeah. same thing happened to me last year, actually. So, so yeah. Uh, okay, we see that. Understandable. Yeah. So, uh, this is the end of the public part of the Urbonus podcast. We have the last minutes uh, of the podcast dedicated for BM Plus members only, our subscribers that can join our community on basketnews.com slash plus. And I can, I'm happy to uh, announce that we already have over 300 BM Plus uh, members in our community, which get a lot of extra features, including uh, articles that go under the paywall or including this crazy opportunity to chat with fellow basketball freaks on uh, Basket News WhatsApp chat. And that's where we asked uh, our followers to send us questions and we'll try to do these short Q&A sessions after every podcast.